Hey everybody, Jay here, and uh, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to share a bit of really exciting news with all of you. We are hosting our next Regeneration Project event on Wednesday, March 21st in San Jose, California, right in the heart of Silicon Valley, and the event is called Evangelism and Apologetics, a Match Made in Heaven. And we're really thrilled to share with you that the evening is um, a night that we are going to be hosting the brilliant and comparable genius of a man, Oz Guinness. Um, Oz is a brilliant, brilliant Christian thinker and social commentator. Um, He's written over 30 books and he serves as a senior fellow at Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics. He's got his doctorate from Oxford. He's the genius of a guy. One of the brightest Christian minds we have in the world. And the entire evening is really wrapped around a tension that I think most of us feel trying to share the good news of Jesus, um, in particular to new generations. You know, the ever-increasing speed of the news cycle really poses a challenge for us, right? How do we effectively share um, the ancient, timeless story of God with a world where, you know, just yesterday's news is considered old? And so uh, there's this really beautiful quote from Oz Guinness in his book, Fool's Talk, and he says that our urgent need today is to reunite evangelism and apologetics and to make sure that our best arguments are directed toward winning people and not just winning arguments and to seek to do all this in a manner that is true to the gospel itself. And so we're going to spend the evening learning from, listening to, and having dialogue with Oz Guinness, and we would love for all of you to be there. Um, It's a free event, but tickets are limited, and uh, we think it is going to fill up and fill up pretty fast. So make sure you go to our website and grab your tickets now. Um, Our website is regenerationproject.org. And if you just go to the website, scroll to sort of the middle of the page, you'll see um, an image for the event, Evangelism and Apologetics, a match made in heaven. And just click that, and uh, yeah, there's more info about the event there, and a little box you can check to get your tickets. So that's, again, um, our next event featuring Oz Guinness, Wednesday, March 21st at 7 p.m. in San Jose, California. We would love for all of you to be there. Go to regenerationproject.org to get more info and to get your tickets. And we'll see you all March 21st. And now on to today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Regeneration Podcast. I'm Jay and uh, here with my buddy Isaac as usual. And today we are having a conversation with a dear, dear friend of ours who's been involved with Regeneration, Chris Nye. Chris is a writer and a speaker. Um, He's been a pastor in a variety of different ways and he's a teacher and uh, we've gotten to know him pretty well over the last several months and have really enjoyed getting to know Chris and he is right here live and in person with us. It's fun to have you, man. Thanks for having me, man. This is great. Yeah. So um, the conversation we're going to have today, uh, about a year and a half ago, you wrote a book called Distant God. And in the book, as the title um, makes fairly clear, I think, uh, you you confront um, what is, on one hand, on an intellectual level for those who, who've been in the church or who've read the Bible or been taught things about God, um, on an intellectual level, I think most Christians would understand and embrace the idea that God's always with us, God's always for us, he's always present. 
But on a human, on the most human level, experiential level, um, I think for all three of us as pastors and as leaders, we've experienced one as people we've experienced in our in our own stories, but we also hear the experiences of so many people who are um, experiencing a sort of distance from God. Uh, I think it's pretty common for us to hear some form of the phrase, man, I feel like God is not around. I feel like he's far away. I don't feel like he hears me. I don't feel like he cares. And so you wrote a book that confronts that idea in a really um, theological way and in a very pastoral way, which I think is a balance that we all need. So uh, to start off, Chris, tell us a little bit, I guess it's two questions in one. One, personally, what compelled you to work on a book like this? And then secondly, pastorally, what were some of your experiences that led you um, to jump into this into this idea? Personally, I think um, I've, I've felt far from God, and I don't know necessarily, I didn't know why. Uh, I, I didn't grow up as a Christian, but I grew up in the Catholic Church. And so I think personally, some of that came from um, Catholicism and from an understanding of God's presence being so connected to the church, so connected to... Um, the Mass and the um, Eucharist and things like that. And so I think just God's presence has always been something I think about. I also grew up around Jesuits, so they're very big on practicing God's presence and um, different forms and ways of meditation, things like that. And so I think personally, it's just been on my mind for a long, long time. Um, But pastorally is where it kicked in to write the book because serving as a youth pastor for um, a number of years up in Oregon, outside of Portland, and uh, all these kids, students of mine would would come in with really the same question. And what I wanted was I wanted like a book that I could hand them, a book that we could walk through that was speaking their language, that was at their level, that wasn't too high and lofty, that was biblical, um, but pastoral. And so uh, I think it, was, it just took enough kids talking about it to then start teaching about it. You know, as a youth pastor, you're kind of like fielding what's in the room, just like a pastor does to his congregation of like, what are, what is the needs of this community? What's the needs of this church? And that was a huge, huge need in, in my community was just developing a theology of God's presence for someone between the ages of 15 and 25, you know, which was a lot of the conversations I was having. And so those repeated over and over again. And I thought, well, I, you know, I'd been writing articles and um, just had been developing as a writer. And I thought, I think this will be my, my first book. But it, it was really out of a local church pastoral context that I just wanted to help meet the kids immediately in my youth group and then also, you know, hope that it would help other, other people beyond that too. Yeah. Um, you address one of the things you address that I think is so important, really fascinating is, um, I've heard you say this, you you came to our church and spoke and, and one of the really, uh, powerful things, one of the powerful statements you made that night to our, our college and young adults group was that, um, we make some assumptions When we ask the question, why does God feel so distant or far away, that that question is actually based on an assumption we're making um, about God, about us, our place in the world and in the cosmos. Um, and our relationship with God, some of those things. Talk a little bit about that. Talk, talk a little, because I think that's the real starting point that we often skip when yes. we ask the question, why is God so far away? Yes. Why isn't he close? Talk about some of those assumptions. Yeah, that's the, there, there's several. The, the first is that we would we would know what God feels like when he's close. So that was something that always struck me. You know, these kids would come in, they'd say, 
I feel far from God. And I, I would often say, well, how would you know? How would you ever know? Um, but it seems like we do know when he's close to us. And I guess part of my book was like, do we? Do we know when he's close to us? And that's kind of like the initial thinking and starting kind of what I'm trying to do to draw people in in the book is just like, do we really know when God's close to us? I think another as- assumption is that um, God should be close to us. Um, that's, you know, there's this whole theology of sin that's very underdeveloped, particularly in like youth group culture in America, which is like, uh, well, God should always be around me all the time. You know, he should, he should, he's like my best friend and my best friends are always around me all the time. So, you know, why should it, even if I'm doing whatever I'm doing, involved in whatever sin I'm involved in, uh, you know, I should still feel close to God. And then beyond that, I think it's that there's this assumption that, okay, I must be doing something wrong if God's far from me or if I feel far from me. So already, I've, I've just mentioned three, there's probably four or five more I'm forgetting, but um, in, even in just those three, there's so many different assumptions that are being carried in with that question that makes me think, well, Even if we just spent the first meeting, if I'm meeting with a student or someone who's struggling with this, even if we just spent some of the time answering those questions honestly, I think we'd make some progress. Uh, You know, before we even jump into the Bible, before we even jump into theology, let's just jump into that that question, which is which is loaded with a lot of preconceived notions that this is what God should be like to me. Uh, I, I think. The other thing I would add there that I've been thinking a lot more about is just the hyper-individualism that's buried in that question, which is like, me and God, that's what this whole thing is about. Uh, Excluding the church, excluding the corporate worship, excluding uh, friendship with other people, excluding leadership in your life, you know? Uh, It's it's this, this entire idea that it's me and God, and God goes with me wherever I go. And uh, if he doesn't, something's wrong. There's a um, there's two places in the New Testament. Well, there's a few, but two that most people know. Where um, Paul the Apostle talks about, you know, your body being a, a temple of of the the Holy Spirit. And one is he's speaking to you as an individual, and you get geeky with the language yeah. in the Greek, and it's you know he's saying you as in the singular that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But in one of the other instances, he uses what you know grammar geeks would call the second person plural, and he's saying you y'all. Yes. Y'all as the church, as the, the corporate community, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And a pastor at my church, uh, Sam Whitaker, uh, gave a sermon recently that hit on one of the things you're talking about, but he's he, he, it's brilliant. He goes, mm. it's right there in front of our faces, is um, the image is that there is a body of Christ. Um, yes. And the body, the corporate body, the y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, is screaming from the text to us saying that um, the place that you encounter the Spirit of God, the body of Christ, is in the community of God's God's people. And that kind of touches on our episode uh, with Scott McKnight about the significance of the people and the body. We all have that individualistic kind of longing to, to mm-hmm. feel it personally, which I think is fair and the Bible does address. Mm. But a big part of that, I think you're nailing something, is the super hyper-individualism and we want a customized, tailored experience that matches our presuppositions on what it should should feel like and look like. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think that it, that was one area of the book I didn't go into an, enough. And I think if there's any criticism of it that I've received, you know, and been like, that's accurate and that's right. It's been that the book doesn't go more deeply into the community experience of God's presence, 
which uh, would have made the book longer for sure. But I, I think it's a you know a regret of mine. I think it's something if we if we do another pressing of the book, we'll we'll throw in a chapter or part, something. That part goes, two, yeah, part two. Distant. Because I think you're right. If you could make it's, a God's Not Dead yeah. part two and three, you could <laughs> yeah, do a distant God two and three. We should be able to make this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, you guys work with this generation too. It's like there is a overwhelming individualism that's couched in everything we talk about. I just think with God's presence, it's, it's even more, I, I do think, you know, and, and this is, this is why I wrote the book. There is an individual mandate on what we should be doing as people responsibility that we have towards our faith and life with God that we can't just sit back and expect God to follow us along everywhere we go, that kind of thing. But part of that responsibility being, um, addressing your responsibility within the body of Christ, being that that member, being that arm or that leg or whatever, that piece that you are in joining the body. And so, I, you know, pastorally, that's a place I always led people. You know, people say, I feel far from God or God feels far away from me right now. Um, and they've not been involved in the church. And to me, biblically, I look at that and I go, that should kind of make sense. I mean, if this is the body of Christ and we are not a part of his body, we should actually maybe feel a little bit of distance from him because we're distant from his body. Yeah, that whole kind of, I'm just going to do, Je just me and Jesus, we're yes. going to yes. do it like by ourselves. Like just, <laughs> yeah. it's just a foreign concept yeah. to, to the New Testament. It, it would be like an alien concept to them, I think. I mean, as much as I've, I've, I've read, have you, have you guys read the book, um, When the Church Was a Family? It's by a guy at Biola. Mm. I'm blanking on his name. I'd give him a shout out right now. But it, it's, it, it addresses this at the beginning about, um, about some of the individualism with the church in particular um, and uh, how we've just made it this whole, um, yeah, not only is what the church would do for me, but what would God do for me what what is god and that that is leaking into this topic on god's presence like majorly yeah it, it seems you know there there are a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are church leaders mm -hmm. and maybe they're you know lead pastors or something or a lot of folks who are leading college ministries and, and youth ministries and um it, it, the trend is a little bit alarming more and more and more the tr the graph is like it just looks bad, you know, yeah. in terms of the heightening sense of individualism and lack of awareness of, of our own sense of individualism. And there's, you know, we could talk endlessly about uh, what social media is doing in terms of what we understand connection to be. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, it's an interesting full circle when we talk about the the sort of palpable disconnect that that maybe we we feel with God, yeah. um, connected to what is a growing disconnect, not just for Christians yeah. being disconnected from the church, but humans being disconnected from one another, and then really sort of not knowing anymore what it means to truly be connected to another. Yeah. You know, and so that's why the assumptions are so important to talk about. Like, I yeah. love the first question is like, okay, if God were close to you, how certain are you that you would know yeah. that that's what yeah. it feels like when God's close to you? Because you can almost apply that assumption to human connection now. Yes. You know, it's like, man, yeah. you, you, yeah. we're sitting around this table and we're close yeah. in air quotes. Right, right. But maybe you just don't really understand what it means to truly be close or connected yeah. to another person because <laughs> yeah. that's not something we do often. And that's the condition right now. I mean, all the research is making it abundantly clear. Um, again, not 
brand new insightful information, but we're more so like we're more connected through social media than any other yeah. point in human history. Um, but yet the stats are saying, especially among young people, Generation Z, they're they're responding saying they're more lonely than previous generations. They feel more isolation. Um, and so we have more ways of being artificially connected, but simultaneously are feeling distant, not only from God, but from people, from relationships. I mean, I, I think you're nailing something. Even the, the convincing research now that uh, pornography makes it more difficult, it makes it far more difficult for you to have a meaningful relationship, not only with your yeah. wife, but with your kids if you have them. Yeah. Because yeah. it's firing chemicals and things in your brain that's doing stuff. You're being literally rewired. Yeah. And so this 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 connection issue is not just about God, it's about everything. One of the interesting things, um, you almost, I almost feel like I'm, I'm saying something blasphemous because it's like <laughs> something you've been taught always. If you're, if you've been brought up in the church, you've been told like, all you need is Christ. All you need is Jesus. Yeah. And on like page one of the Bible, you have a human being who's literally walking with God in a garden mm. without sin. Mm. It's still not good for you to be alone. Yeah. Now yep. your question shouldn't be, oh, well, that's where he's got to make a, a wife for Adam. No, he's he's got God yeah. without sin, but yet the text on page one is still saying there's a type of loneliness. You're, you're lacking some type of connection that you're going to to need, and we know we're, we're holistic beings. So all of it's connected. Our relationship yeah. with people and God, the horizontal, the vertical. Yeah, and that that that's the I, I kind of go into that a little bit in in the book where. Our relationship with God is linked to our relationships with other people. And so oftentimes I found I found this to be very true with teenagers particularly. They actually wouldn't be right with their parents or with a parent. You know, I, I come from a divorced house and so I understand this. You um, you're not right with the people in your family. Now, when I would ask them, how are you doing at home or how are you doing with your family or how are you doing with friends, after they would ask me the question, Well, what should I do? Because I feel far from God, and I'd I'd answer it by asking a question of how are you doing at home? Mm. They'd be like, we're not having that discussion right now. We're having the God conversation. I'm in the pastor's office. I'm having the pastor conversation. Why are you asking me about my home? Well, I was asking them about my their home because of what we've just been talking about, which is that could it be that their connection with other people, their lack of forgiveness towards their father, their lack of love towards their sibling, their lack of understanding and kindness towards their friend could be inhibiting their own knowledge of who God is, right? It's that, you know, Apostle John, uh, you know, scripture that's saying, you know, if you say, I love God, but hate your brother, you're a liar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like that, that's pretty clear that if you are in hatred, you know, Jesus is like, Hey, before you offer it to, you know, make that offering, uh, go forgive, go, you know, go lay it down and go make, make restitution, uh, and reconciliation with your brother. So uh, that, that's often a conversation I have to pull people into is helping them understand the, the ramifications of their their actions with other people, um, they think it's a separate category, but it's it's a part of our conversation uh, with God's presence. Yeah, all three of us are pastors, and and how many times have you been in a situation where someone's having an issue with God? They feel distant, or maybe they're angry with God. Yeah, and and you ask them, who do you pray to? Like, mm. who 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 do you pray to? Um, and I can tell you, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with praying to. Jesus or the Holy Spirit or saying, dear God or dear Lord. Mm. But I can tell you so many times when someone has never prayed to father. Yeah. 
even though in the yeah. New Testament, that is the number yes. one. I'm not saying it's wrong to, right. to say, dear Jesus, but yeah. what I'm saying is the number one way the New Testament authors teach us to pray and Jesus mm-hmm. is our father. Sure. And so many times people are just, it's so buried, the pain, they don't mm. even realize that they can't even approach God as a father. Yeah. And so they never called him father. It's always God or Jesus yeah. is like the good guy, yeah. but yeah. father is angry. <laughs> and it goes down to that. Like, how is your relationship with, with your dad? Let's start there. Like yeah. your earthly dad, how is your relationship? Yeah. Is there bitterness? Was there abuse? Is there uh, is something unresolved? And I've seen just as a pastor, so much work be done in exactly what you're saying you get the earthly father right, and then sometimes you can approach heavenly father in a different light. So everything is connected. Yeah, everything is connected. Yeah, I think there's um, there's two um, there's some teaching that has to be done. I mean, that what you know, even what you were just unpacking was was a lot of teaching for people to to understand uh, that the New Testament does teach us ways to pray. Uh, when Jesus was asked by his disciples, they said, "Teach us to pray." He wasn't like, "Well." Just say whatever you want, you know, <laughs> just say what's on your heart. Now, that's what we say. Yeah, we right. say that to exactly. people. Yes. People say, how do I pray? And we tell them, um, well, just say whatever's on your heart. Yeah. Now, I don't think that that's scriptural because Jesus answered. He said, pray like this, you know, and then he gives us the, the, the our father. He gives us the Lord's prayer. And. You know, that's a piece of, uh, you know, again, I mentioned my Catholic background, like that's a piece of that part of my history that was kind of ingrained in me of like, that is how you pray. Now there was a restriction in that, in that upbringing I had that was, that was, that was damaging in the sense Mm. of like, it was the only way you prayed, you know, in some ways, like you you don't pray your own words in certain contexts. But I think it's like, I love what Keller says. He's like the biblical prayers, the Psalms, the Lord's prayer, different portions of scripture that are prayers. It's like the rhythm section and we get to improvise on top of it. I think he calls it like, yeah, like spiritual riffing or something. Just being able to like solo on top of that rhythm section and bass line. That is a huge thing for people to understand because we tell people just pray out of your heart, you know, pray what's in your heart. Well, your heart's Which I would never pray to forgive my enemies. Oh no, never. Never. The Lord's, you know, forgive your enemy. Just no, no. No, What's on my heart is God. Yeah. Almighty Father in yeah, heaven, may yeah. you crush yeah. and smite <laughs> yeah. those people who have wronged me. We yes. never do that. I yeah, never... yeah. So I think there's some teaching there that you can help people understand who are feeling far from God. And this is a great hope to those who are feeling far from God too, is that you don't have to muster it up in yourself, right? Mm. You don't have to be like finding this deep like faith that you don't have because that's the problem. People are struggling in their faith. You go, man, look at Psalm 13, Look at Psalm 16 and just pray that in the morning. See what that does to your heart. When you talk about the Lord's Prayer, it uh, reminds me, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I think about the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father being sort of the anchor prayer out of which maybe all of our other prayers are, are birthed. Um, you know, Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God, has this really sobering line where he says that when people ask him, you know, Dallas, I can't hear God, help me hear God. He doesn't give them tools to hear God. He asks a question. He says, I always ask the question, well, are you working with God on something about which he should talk to you? Mm. <laughs> and it strikes uh, me that when so we good. pray yeah. that yeah. prayer, you know, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that is sort of the baseline anchor out of which all of our prayers are born, it does strike me that, man, then if that really truly is the prayer of our hearts, that's where it begins. Yeah then certainly God has things to talk to yeah. us about. <laughs> yes. Because that's yes. another assumption yeah. that, you know, yes. I think we make is, and you've hit on it already a little bit, is that God is most interested in the in the things that I am going through. Now, that's not wrong. Yeah, right. That's yeah. not, you know, like I know some people are listening. They're like, yeah. Jay, how yeah. dare you say yeah. that? Yeah. That's not wrong. Yeah. It's just not primary. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. not primarily. God is interested in the ups and downs of our lives because he is interested in remaking all things and yeah. restoring all things yes. and ushering in his kingdom. Yeah. We're a part yeah. of that story. There's yeah. a comfort in that. So he knows the hairs on your head. Mm-hmm. Mm. He knows the hairs on your head. But just like me as a father, um, my four year my three year old's concern in that moment is not my primary concern. Right. Yeah, 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 he yeah. Has, he has, there's bigger <laughs> things. So yes, yes I, I know mm-hmm. she, she yeah. wants to go play tag and we yeah. can go do that. And God yeah. does bless us with those little yes. joys in our lives, but he also has a much bigger plan and goal yeah. for our life that's in subordinate to his ultimate plan to reconcile mm. all things back to himself. Yes. Uh, and that should be comforting, not dis- distant, distancing. Yeah, the, the, the difference I think is... And this is, again, why I I was really passionate about writing the book. A lot of my students came from that kind of general American youth group culture of which I helped create. So, you know, I'm not saying it's like (laughs) wrong or anything. I just midway through started to change a lot of what I did because they would say, I asked Jesus into my life, right? That whole switch versus we are involved now in Jesus's life. We are absorbed into God's great life in his kingdom and through his cross and his people. We we jump into his life, not him coming to ours. And so that that's where some of that happens. It's like, why isn't God doing the things I want him to do? You know, why isn't he, because I, I, I asked him into my heart, into my life and uh, helping them understand, no, you're now part of God's life. So when you're involved in the things he's doing and following his will and sitting in the center of his will, there's no better place to be and that that's where you'll start to see the distance i think close um yeah yeah there's two there's two types of people and this is what's so and this is an oversimplification to say there's two types of people but um this is where that, that kind of pastoral care has to come in because there's one person the youth group kid who doesn't do anything that looks Christian in their life. Who's just, you know, why, why do you feel distant from it? Cause you're wicked and you actually don't care. You just want a genie in a bottle <laughs> and you're mad because God d- didn't answer your prayer that so-and-so at youth group fall in love with you. And now you're bitter. <laughs> like just no. And, and then there's the other person who is reading their Bible every day and praying harder and beating themselves mm-hmm. up because they've inherited a worldview that was very common in Jesus day. But somehow, even though he destroyed it, it still carries over 2,000 years ago, and you touched on it, is that God is distant from me because I, I, there's something wrong with me right now. Yeah. And I think that's those are the people that, that we really want to speak to because um, the other person is like, yeah, no, just, right. you know, just get up, make your bed, and like start there, and then we'll talk yeah. type of thing. But then the person who's trying and they feel guilty, and, and you know, sometimes Christians reinforce that. We've all seen that where mm. something bad happens. I've been told that where something like something horrible is going on and they're like, is there any sin in your sin in your life right now? It's like, and to that person, um, that's where the message of the gospel 
uh, is in, is just good news. And I think that's a big part of your book. Your book isn't trying to to you know punk the right. the wicked youth group kid just <laughs> right. trying to hook up with the, with the girl yeah. he met. It's it's no, for the person yeah. who's really longing yeah. for God's presence, but still somehow doesn't feel it. Yeah, and and that um, that's where I try I try to tell people faith and life with God has so many seasons. Most of us talk about the deep valleys and the high mountain peaks. That's tends to be the language we have. Uh, in youth group culture, it's called the camp high. You come back yeah. from camp, you're feeling close to God, you're feeling on top of the world. And then the valleys being when the divorce happens or the diagnosis comes or something like that. And what I try to tell people is those are two different geographies of faith. But there's, a, or I should probably say typography. There's a third typography of faith, which is just the long stretches of highway of faithfulness where you're just going. You know, you're going not based off of what God would do for me, but you're going out of gratitude of what God has done for you in the gospel. You're, you're, you're saying God has done everything ever that I could ever need through Christ. He's given me life and faith and everything that I need for godliness. So I'm just going to keep going. You know, I'm just going to keep waking up and praying. I'm just going to keep reading my scripture. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to continue to serve. I'm going to continue to obey. And that's the kind of person I want to encourage, especially, you know, to someone who'd be listening to this that would be in that season to say, you may be in the valley, you may be on the mountaintop, but some of them may just be on that long stretch of highway where, you know, you're going 85 miles an hour, but it feels like you're going like three because it's just so long and it's so straight. There's nothing beautiful around you. You know, if you've driven through the Midwest of America, there's like a lot of stretches that are that way. And I think that that's a kind of typography of faith that that Christians have. It's spoken about a lot in scripture. We just kind of pass over it. There's that verse... Luke 2.52, that just says the boy Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge in the favor of God and man, something like that. And that covers like 20 years yeah, of his life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what if the person who's struggling today is in Luke 2.52 territory where they're just going to have 20 years, 20 years. If Jesus Christ had to have 20 years of growing in wisdom, faith, and knowledge of God and man, maybe we would need a, a, a couple years, you know, maybe we don't need to have the peaks and the valleys and this incredible experience. I mean, Paul was in Arabia in the desert, you know, he yeah. talks about in Galatians, like he was just out there. Who knows what he was doing? Probably crying a yeah, lot. It's just I a mean, couple, it, it's it's just like, a yeah. couple verses. Yes. But yeah. you, so you think, oh, he heard from God here and then he heard from him in verse four and then yeah. again in verse seven, but it's like, <laughs> no, there could be 20, 30 yes. years yeah. bet between that. And so there is a danger. Oftentimes I think, uh, in the church world, we have a temptation to to have to try to create, and we're, we're guilty of this as churches a lot of times, more than some more than others, but creating the kind of ex supernatural experience all the time. And if yeah. you're not having that all the time, yes. that means something's wrong with your spirit. God isn't yeah. God isn't connecting, you know, with you. And really, um, when the Bible talks about being connected with God, it's not always, but man, a sure big portion of it in the New Testament hmm. is actually in affliction or suffering in in the hard yeah. hard times and somehow we've created a thought that it's in those times when it's bad that maybe God has abandoned you but it's precisely in those moments of suffering that you are now possibly depending upon how how you're approaching that closest to God even if you don't feel like it yeah um, there's a line I heard I forget where I first heard it but it says you, you you never look more like Christ when you're suffering in a holy way mm. um 
Hmm. And that's the, that's the cross of Christ. My God, you know, why have you forsaken me? Where, yeah. where are you? And in the midst of that, there's a, I, there's a clinging to faith and hope. I think that's, you know, we can get into it, but when Jesus says that, I think it's a, it's a, he's quoting the Psalms. He's totally. quoting, he's feeling despair, but quoting a Psalm that talks about despair, but ends with God's faithfulness. Yeah. And there's, there's yeah. a point to that. There's, there's a reason why he models that for us. I, I think we, yeah, I think we have work to do there uh, as like American pastors, because no matter, no matter how sensitive we are to that, um, I just think more more thought needs to go into that as to how we orchestrate Sundays, how we even communicate what spirituality even is. Um, we just, I just think we have a lot more work in that territory ahead of us as, as far as if we're, if we're young leaders, young pastors, like we have a lot more to go in helping people develop that kind of understanding that, that faith does not always equal um, peace. You know, there's a lot of people that think that when they're close to God and near to him, they'll always feel peace. I don't think that's true. I think that, uh, you know, people think too, it's always going to be inspiring, right? I mean, we struggle with this. All of us are preachers. How much a burden we feel for a Sunday sermon to be like inspiring, you know, some of the highest compliments I think are, you know, some people think they can give a pastor's just like, Oh, that's like amazing messages. Like I, I just, I cried, I cried, you know, it's like, that's, that's like the sign that <laughs> sure. like, you know, and I love that, man. I've teared up during sermons and God has moved my heart in such an amazing way in sermons. But sometimes, sometimes sermons just need to, um, keep you on the path and keep you to be faithful. And, you know, they don't need to be, wow, amazing. Yeah. You yeah. know, like it's our podcast world we live in, yeah. you know, that word faithfulness is, yeah. is so overused yeah. to the point of, you know, it's lost its meaning through, we just use it. I mean, it's been used quite a bit, but mm-hmm. um, we we use it in spurts, I think, you yeah. know, like, yeah. oh, yeah. I was faithful or I, you know, um, he was faithful. And uh, usually if somebody says, oh yeah, we went through this thing, but he was faithful. We're talking about a moment in time. There was some opportunity for infidelity and the person chose faithfulness in that moment. And that's a good usage of the word. But biblically, when we see that word, uh, it certainly does mean that, right? Fidelity to God. But it almost always explicitly means a, a long, you know, in the words yeah. of Eugene Peterson, right? A long obedience. Yeah. I love that that phrase, a long obedience in, in the same direction. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, it's the it's the Exodus story. It's like 40 years through the wilderness. And 40 years is a long stinking time. Yeah. And long, I, I don't even know. What, I yeah. 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 Life know, none years. of us know what that means. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what that's like. <laughs> you know, that's the, the, Hebrew, the Hebrews passage about, the, you know, the great hall of faith. You know, they talk about Abraham... When Paul quotes um, Abraham of having faith in God that justified him, it's the passage in particular where it talks about your descendants will outnumber the stars. Mm. Abraham believed and was faithful to something he could never see come to fruition in his yeah, lifetime. That's right. Moses died before he reaches the promised land. When does he reach the promised land? He steps foot on it for the first time at the transfiguration. Yeah. They don't even get to see it when they're alive. Yeah. When the Bible talks about faithfulness, it's talking about things that are beyond you, kind of going yeah. back to our, our point. But, and that's so hard because I don't want it to be beyond me. Totally. I want it to be about yeah. me yeah. here now. And it certainly helps um, 
for the younger listeners, you do get a boost in this when you have kids because you, you start thinking about, you know, their future a little bit more. But even so, as a dad, I'm still going like, dude, I don't want to wait. Yeah. I don't want to wait, man. Mm-hmm. Why, why these, the AirPods, man, they're, they're back ordered for three months, mm-hmm. man. What up, mm-hmm. Apple? I want them right here, <laughs> right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the golden, they say it's the second golden age of television right now. Yeah. And I, uh, there's research that's been done with this. It's actually, they say it's probably directly connected to sort of the neurological changes that are happening with us because of the digital age that mm-hmm. our brains are being rewired to not have the capacity for long format storytelling anymore. So you think back a hundred years, what's a movie? No one knows what a movie is. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred years. You just go back a hundred years and be like, what's a movie? You, you sit by the fire and read a book or, or maybe you were, you know, it was like this novel, incredible technological advancement to, to listen to a radio program, you know, that would go on for several hours week after week. And then, and then we have, the advent of television and something really fascinating happens where it's like in 30 minutes and not 30 minutes of content as a commercials, you know, it's like 20 minutes you can be told a story. And we love that. I love that. You yeah. know, I want to be able to turn it on like Netflix culture. I want to be able to turn yeah. it on and control when I see the story, when I end it, but I know there's a finality to it and it's manageable bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sort of mentality creeps into the way we think about what it means to faithfully follow Jesus. We need the dude, I've been following Jesus for 30 minutes. Where's my epic sort of yeah. crescendo ending, yes. at least for this episode? You know, yes. We need that every yes. time, that marker that tells us. And the reality is it doesn't work like that. We go, you know, 20 years. And yeah. it's just the long, steady process of yeah. faithfully following. Um, which makes sense then why we would often, going full circle, why we would often ask that question, like, man, I feel like God's distant. Where is he? It's so quiet. Mm. And... And he's maybe maybe he is exactly right there in the middle of the quiet, you know, right yeah. in the middle of the long obedience. As we sort of conclude here, Chris, you know, hopefully this was helpful. Our desires that our conversations on this podcast are always helpful. Um, but I'm thinking, especially you've mentioned it already briefly, but I'm thinking especially of the people who are listening. Whether they're church leaders or just young folks who are listening because they're interested or older folks who are like interested in what we're doing or interested in the topic, Um, because this is just a universal human experience regardless of the stage of life you're in. But um, if you can just share a few thoughts of encouragement and maybe even challenge to those of us who are listening right now, and this is exactly where we are, we feel like God is distant. Man, like Chris, I haven't heard God. I pray and I just haven't heard him in a long time or going through this thing and I'm asking God for wisdom or discernment or healing or whatever. And there's, it's not even a no, it's just a Mm. silence. Um, And that's so frustrating. Um, Just share some thoughts and some words of encouragement and challenge for for those of us listening who are going through that right now. I would start to tell people, your faith, the thing that you're having guide your life, your faith in Christ, your faith as a Christian affirms this very feeling. It affirms this uh, this difficulty, this struggle to relate with God. 
And so in your very Bible, in your whole structure of faith, in the history of what you believe in, people have wrestled with this question. So it's nothing new. It's nothing um, the 21st century with all of the developments we mentioned. It's not like this is a new problem. And so I find that comforting. I find that millions of people across the world in various cultures across different languages and you know economic systems and political structures have all wrestled with this. There's writing on it for a long time. Um, and I think too, that's comforting because there's also the flip side of that. The scripture itself will tell you that in the presence, uh, in, in God's presence, there's the fullness of joy. And then, you know, three Psalms before that in Psalm 13, one, the psalmist says, God, will you forget me forever? Why do you hide your face from me? I think that um, knowing that God affirms and uh, even understands in his own word, the valley, the mountaintop, the long plain of faith, all those three areas is incredibly comforting. I, I guess what I would challenge people to do is is to press forward. There's a huge doctrine in our faith called perseverance, which is linked to this whole faithfulness discussion we just had, which is um, sometimes what we have to do is put the next foot forward. We have to we have to go to church when we don't feel like it. We got to open the Bible when we don't feel like it. We got to show up to a community group and ask for prayer because we don't feel like praying, you know, and that's the good news of the church. When you don't feel like praying, somebody else does. So have them pray for you. Um, and, and to take that next step, just whatever it might be. And knowing that, um, that there, there always is a way forward. There always is a way ahead in, in the Christian life, I think. And God's best for us always awaits us in heaven. And so we're never going to go into a worse place. And I think that's another thing to hold hope for is that one day in the fullness of his presence, uh, we will all be. And there will not be a moment when we're there that we'll look back and, and, and be confused, I don't think. I think if anything, we'll have tremendous clarity, but that God's presence, he, he, he will never get further away, I guess is what I'm saying. That, that our great hope, our great like heavenly hope is that no matter what we go through today, um, one day we will be with him. We will be his people in his place, in his presence. Um, that's where the story ends. That's where all the three of us and everybody listening is heading. And so put one foot in front of the other, whatever it is that you have to do, and hold on to the great hope and promise that the new heavens and the new earth are what they say they will be. And we won't be frustrated then. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, for those who are listening and they uh, want to check out the book or get connected to some of the other work. I mean, yeah. you write a bunch, you've yeah. got stuff all over um, the internet and all sorts of different publications. So people want to connect with, with some of your work, um, let people know how they can connect with you. Yeah. Uh, you can find the book on Amazon or anywhere. I think books are sold. Just put in distant God or my name. Um, I think Twitter is the best place to see me at Chris Nye. Um, and uh, my website has all my all my writing, chrisnye.co. Um, and so, yeah, I try to put out enough writing to you know, keep people busy. There you go. Chris, it's been fun getting to know you. Yeah, man. We love your involvement with Regeneration Project and look forward to much more work together in the future. And uh, thank you for all you're doing to help the local church and to help people who are really struggling with what is such a human reality. So really appreciate your time. Thanks, man. For sure. Thanks. Great conversation with Chris Nye follow up with him on Twitter and those various uh, places he pointed you to. Yeah, and if you're wrestling with with these issues, know that um, 
God has definitively spoken and he definitively and climactically spoken his son. And so wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, you, you, you know this, that Jesus Christ died. Um, it's, it's past Christmas now, but Emmanuel, Emmanuel in Hebrew, God is with us and he became most, he became most near to us in the person of his son who died in our place. And so take comfort in that. Don't let your emotions dictate your reality. And get the book, because I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff that Chris and I gets into. As always, we are partnered with Western Seminary. If you're looking for a seminary or theological education, we highly recommend it and point you in that direction for a gospel-centered, a gospel-centric approach to ministry. Yeah, and uh, connect with us online. We're on all the regular social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And you can find a bunch of resources, not just the show notes for the podcast, as well as podcast episodes, but you can find articles and videos and info about events that are coming up all on our website at regenerationproject.org. And uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us, um, if you have questions or feedback or ideas for the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can reach us by emailing us at podcast at regenerationproject.org. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you all very soon.